Chapter 7 The general store was next to the sheriff's office, the two buildings separated by a parking lot. I pulled the Ford off the main road and into one of the slots. As soon as I pushed open the car door, dry heat hit like a wall. It felt like my hair was being blown back by an explosion. I walked across the lot and onto the sidewalk. Swung open the door to the general store, and the weather changed once again, from the Sahara to the Arctic, in one step. The AC was cranked ridiculously high. Two women were stocking items on shelves. They both wore sweaters. One of them was taller than the other, older too. When I asked the tall lady if they had a woman's clothing section, she pointed me to the back of the store. Got some, not much. You want more, you'll have to go up to the Walmart up near Midland Airport. About a half hour drive if you turn left on 117. The sales associate said, If you can stand the stink. I said, This is going to be fine, ma'am. My sister isn't picky. The older, taller one chortled at that. Your sister, huh? Never met a woman yet who wasn't picky when it came to clothes. But I'll take your money. In the back of the store, there was a woman's section and a men's. The basics were covered. A couple of choices for each category. A carefully selected mix of homeware and workwear. I had no problem choosing the items. Size was the issue. Luckily, the sales assistant looked about the same size as Elena. Maybe smaller by an inch here or there. I told the women that my sister's luggage had been lost to the airport. The tall lady laughed. I am real sorry about your sister's luggage, but that is exactly what happens when you get all high and mighty and change the name of an airport from plain old Midland Airport to Midland Air and Spaceport. The sales associate chimed in, like they're going to be living on Mars next year. Apparently, space travel was going to be the next thing according to the people running Midland Air and Spaceport. I picked out a pair of jeans, a t-shirt, a pair of socks, and underwear. I figured Elena's fleece would be all right. The tall lady said, What about a bra? It's a woman, right? I shrugged and looked lost. She took pity on me and said, Let's make it simple. Small, medium, or large. Medium, I guess. The saleswomen at the general store had a couple of other suggestions to make, related to color and style. I agreed with everything they said and paid with the card. The tall one waved me back out the door. You can always come on by and exchange a return if you like. I left the store and stepped back into the heat. If anything, it had increased. Nothing moved out there except a couple of lizards skidding across the sidewalk. Certainly, no warm-blooded creatures were voluntarily outside of a climate-controlled enclosure, like a car, a building, or a hole in the ground. The only people out there were moving in vehicles with tightly closed windows, and there were not many of them. Which is why I noticed the gold Jeep Cherokee parked across the main road and back a hundred yards, just outside of a place with the law office's attorney services sign. Two guys sat alert in the front seats. Both wore baseball caps. One was shorter than the other. Both were looking in my direction. 
I had been a civilian now for about two years. But before that, I wasn't a civilian. Before that, I had been someone who would routinely be looking out for guys sitting in cars watching for me. Except that hadn't been in Texas, but in places like Iraq, Somalia, or northern Syria. I looked away from the Cherokee and walked back towards the Ford rental. Two questions. Why and how? I started on how. Two ways. The Border Patrol officers or Elena. Border cops could have been in the narco's pockets, waiting there at the end of Mueller's road. In that scenario, they just needed to note down the license plate number of the Ford. In the realm of possibility, not a done deal. Scenario two was simpler. Elena was carrying a phone that was being tracked. The why of it was not difficult either. Elena was not a regular illegal. With her looks and her poise, that was obvious. I fired up the Ford and made a left out of the parking lot, drove nice and slow, and watched in the rear view as the Cherokee pulled at a U-turn across 117. I got the Ford up to cruising speed. The Cherokee laid off the gas and settled back a couple hundred yards. If they had found me via the license plate, it was possible that they would not know about the Desert Inn. Maybe they had lucked out and found the Ford parked in the general store's lot after cruising through town looking for it. I drove past the motel and took a good look. Nothing different. In fact, nothing happening at all. I pictured the inside of room 12. Elena asleep and the Glock accumulating dust up in the ceiling. I pressed the gas pedal. Not like I was going to outrun them. The Ford was not going to outrun anything. I thought about the moral and ethical implications of the situation, in terms of life and death. The guys in the Jeep Cherokee, a new crew, associated to the dead guys out in the desert, but different. Back there, the situation had been a clear and present danger to life, mine and Elena's. The dead guys had been prepared to rape and kill, deadly weapons in hand. These two in the Cherokee were not there yet. I wasn't going to reset the books, not entirely, but they were not up for immediate execution either. I needed them off my back and out of action. That was all for the time being. The Cherokee stayed on my tail for the half hour it took to get up to Walmart. 